Hello friends and welcome back to Swimming and Singing. I'm Sarah Nelson, a certified yoga therapist and yoga teacher, and I specialize in working online with people who think they are too tired, too busy, too anxious, or in too much pain to do yoga. I use the traditional tools of yoga and modern technology to help you create a more easeful and joyful life. If that sparks your interest, stick around because at the end of this episode, I'm so excited to share a gift I've created just for you. The name of my podcast comes from a beloved poem written by Gregory Orr and is a reminder that some days it's all we can do to tread water and then other days there is room for joy. This podcast aims to share practices for both types of days. This podcast is for inspiration and information and does not replace medical care or advice. I am not a licensed healthcare professional or mental health therapist. Not all practices discussed on this podcast will be suitable or accessible to everybody, but I hope that you find something that resonates and can bring a bit more ease and joy into your life. Let's get to it. Friends, today's swimming and singing episode is a very special episode. But just to be clear, not very special in the way that TV shows in the 70s and 80s had, quote, very special episodes where parents got divorced or grandparents died or kids went to parties where someone was doing drugs. In today's solo episode, I'm going to get really clear with you about why I think Gentle yoga is so important for the folks I work with. But not just that. I'm going to get clear on who I'm talking about and what I mean by yoga. Let's start with that, because there can definitely be confusion and misunderstanding about what yoga means. Yoga is thousands of years old and originated in what we now call India. I, on the other hand, have studied yoga for 24 of those thousands of years. 12 of those years have been spent focused on how to teach and share yoga with others. I did not originate in India and did not, did not grow up in a family or community that practiced yoga. So please know that what I share is just a teeny tiny piece of a broad tradition and practice. And I share it through my own lens as a white Western woman living in the 21st century. There are many ways to practice yoga from handstands and headstands to sitting in silence, to reading texts, to singing songs, to living ethically. You can't really know by looking at someone if they are practicing yoga or not. I'll give you a moment in case I just blew your mind. (laughs) In the West, we are most familiar with the body movements and stretches that in yoga are called asana. One of the things I love so much about yoga is that there is a yoga practice 
for wherever you are in life. Yoga can change with you. So the practices I did in my 20s and 30s are different from the practices I do now. We all age. We all deal with times of ill health and suffering. And there are beneficial yoga practices for wherever you are on your life journey. But I want to get clear about what I mean when I talk about yoga, or more accurately, the kind of yoga that I teach. Let me start by describing who I most often work with, and then I'll explain the type of yoga we do and why it's beneficial for those folks. Most often, I work with women in the perimenopause or postmenopause stages of life. These women are often caretakers and nurturers and tend to put most everyone else ahead of themselves. They are driven. They may have they may have or have had successful careers. They might be taking care of children and teens and or aging parents. They tend to have an idealistic streak and really want to make a positive difference in the world. They are empathetic and want to help where they can. And they are often stressed out, burnt out, dealing with high levels of anxiety and pain and may have chronic health conditions. These are the kind of caring, thoughtful people we need in the world, and they are wearing themselves out. Here's where yoga can make a difference, but not just any kind of yoga. If these women choose a physically demanding form of yoga, they are just repeating the same patterns that got them to where they are. Softness is needed. Nurturing is needed. This is not something they can bully themselves through. They need rest. They need to reset their nervous systems and prioritize their own self-care. And believe it or not, these are some of the most difficult tasks for these strong, passionate, driven women. So when I talk about yoga, this is what I'm talking about. Extra gentle movement with breath awareness, stillness, contemplation, and acceptance. Let's unpack each of those. When working with folks with chronic pain and or anxiety, the key is to work with the nervous system. I'll talk more about the nervous system in a future podcast, but the thing to know is that it is the one system in our body that we can directly influence and it can influence all of the other systems. We move with extra gentleness because when a person is in pain, their nervous system is on high alert. 
any movement may cause additional pain. So we move slow and we move with the breath. We practice befriending the nervous system and rebuild trust with the body. People are often very surprised that they don't need to do a challenging workout type yoga practice to receive the physical benefits of yoga. We can stretch and strengthen the body with small, gentle movements, which also nourishes the nervous system. Moving and stretching the body also releases built up tension and repetitive stress patterns that can exacerbate pain. We use self massage techniques to release tension in the fascia, which can impact posture, breath, and even well being. We combine all of this with breath awareness, which is our key to influencing the nervous system. We can't slow our heartbeat by thinking about it. We can't lower our blood pressure by wishing it lower. But we can do both of those things by slowing and lengthening the breath. Moving with breath and mindful breathing are key to treating pain and anxiety. And then there is stillness. When was the last time you were awake and still and not looking at a device or listening to something? In yoga, we cultivate stillness in order to calm the body, mind, and nervous system, as well as to hear our own inner voice of wisdom. Stillness might look like a seated meditation practice, but more often, I recommend a restorative yoga practice where we find stillness through supported yoga shapes, lying in bed or on the floor. You might be surprised to learn that practicing stillness during the day, even if you doze off for a moment, helps you fall asleep at night. Stillness doesn't mean emptying your brain or keeping your body completely still. It means being with yourself for some period of time without distraction. And what do I mean by your inner voice of wisdom? This is where some contemplation practices come in. I like to read poetry and share readings and contemplation questions with folks while they are resting in stillness, because this is an ideal time to hear your inner voice of wisdom. You might not be too familiar with that voice. In my experience, it tends to be much quieter than the other voices in my head. It also speaks very simply and sometimes in images instead of words. We all have that inner voice of wisdom, but in order to hear it, we need to be quiet. We need to listen for it. For the folks that I work with, 
They are so used to listening to the other louder voices, both inside and outside, that tell them to go, 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 and do, do, do. It can be difficult to hear the inner voice and even more difficult to heed it. And that's okay. It's all a practice. But learning to hear and listen to that voice makes all the difference when you're anxious and overwhelmed. And finally, acceptance. My work with folks is not unlike the serenity prayer. Let's change what we can, find find a way to accept what we can't, and use that inner voice of wisdom to discern the difference between the two. Many of us, myself very much included, have spent years, decades, lifetimes fighting against things we can't change, trying, trying to force our bodies to look, move, and behave a certain way, numbing physical and emotional pain with substances and habits that cause more harm than good, wishing that things were different. Through gentle movement and breath practices, stillness and contemplation, we can start to figure out what is within our power to change and find the strength to quit fighting against the things we can't change. I lovingly refer to this as snuggling with our challenges instead of struggling with them. So that's it. Sounds simple enough, right? One thing I didn't mention about the folks I work with is they tend to be perfectionists. And being a perfectionist often holds us back from trying things we are afraid we might fail at or trying them and quitting as soon as we perceive we've failed. Failure might look like having super high expectations for your practice that you can't possibly meet, or it could be going to a yoga class and feeling like you don't fit in and not going back. Most of the women I work with don't identify themselves as perfectionists but that's just because they aren't meeting their own super high expectations for themselves. Here's where my gift to you comes in. I know you, I get you. You want to start a yoga practice, but you're already too tired and overcommitted. So I created a short guide to creating a yoga habit for exhausted perfectionists. It's a PDF that you can access immediately by heading over to my website and signing up for my newsletter. And current newsletter subscribers, you already received the link. It includes all the info you need, including a short video from my January 2023 Yoga Habit Challenge, a snippet from an as-yet-unreleased podcast interview on mindfulness for perfectionists, journal questions, an activity tracker, and more. I'm so excited for you to check it out. The link is in the show notes. 
to close, I want to share a story that a yoga student shared with me recently. On her way to yoga class, she was listening to the news and becoming really upset by what she was hearing. When she got to class, she was telling me how the news had been so upsetting to her. But then she paused and had an aha moment. She said, actually, she hadn't slept very well the night before. And come to think of it, whenever she sleeps poorly, it's much harder to handle the stressors of the day, including listening to the news. There are two great lessons in this story. One, her yoga practice helped her create that connection all on her own between lack of sleep and overwhelm. And two, a regular gentle yoga habit focused on mind, body, and spirit makes it a little easier to roll with the ups and downs of life. And there's going to be ups and downs. Expect to hear more from me in the months to come about the specific benefits of a regular, gentle, mindful yoga practice for folks who are exhausted, overwhelmed, in pain, and or anxiety. Thanks so much for listening and head on over to my website to grab your guide. Until next time, keep swimming and keep singing.